Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Well, good morning, church family. So grateful for you guys being here this morning. Happy New Year. You guys look even better than you did last year. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, hey, so I've got a letter to read from Pastor Anthony. He's not here this morning, uh, but I have a letter to read to you guys from him. It says this, Happy New Year, Connect Church. I'm very excited about serving and making much of Jesus with you in 2023. I truly believe the best is yet to come at Connect Church for Connect Church in 2023. Serving as your pastor is one of the greatest joys of my life, right behind following Jesus and my family. I cannot wait to worship with you next week and preach the word. Happy New Year. We love you and you are sent. Uh, They are not here this morning, but we're going to continue on in our series in the book of John chapter 3, okay? The book of John chapter 3. I don't know uh, what you did for New Year's, but uh, we actually went and did Christmas uh, with Meredith's family in Alabama. So we went to that uh, that God-forsaken land, and we went there, and we tried to tell them about Jesus. They just wouldn't hear it, okay? Uh, and so and we went there, and we spent a few days. And here's one of the things you know, and you know this. you got kids, you know this, okay? You can be the best parents in America, but you take your kids, one, out of their routine, out of their own house, and you put them with grandparents, everything's over. Okay? Nothing matters. Your parenting doesn't matter. All the books you read, all the seminars you went to, all the different trainings you went through with them don't matter. Okay? Everything's out the window. And so uh, with our kids, one of our things we have to do is we have to, we, honestly, when we're with grandparents, when we're in Alabama, when we're out of this place, we have to trick them. That's the way we parent. It just changes. It's not like gentle and sweet. It's just like, let's just trick them. And maybe that's what you've been doing with your New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but me and my wife were watching the game. I was, she doesn't care about football. I was watching the game last night, and I was sitting there, and it was about to be New Year's, New Year's, my wife's favorite holiday. And so she's in the kitchen, just beautiful, and she's standing there, and she's watching the countdown. And I'm sitting like, no joke, TV's over here. My wife's over here, and I'm having to choose. I'm watching this game, and I'm going, man, he's about to kick that field goal, and he's going to beat Georgia. I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm watching, going, please kick it before midnight. Please kick it before midnight. And I'm sitting there hoping that thing, maybe the stream's delayed or something, and uh, I'm finally able to go, oh, thank goodness, happy new year, and care for my wife. And it was, I mean, that was my night last night, and we, we love New Year's resolutions. You may have vision boards or, or, or goals or, or, or things that you have written down in a journal or just things you've been thinking about. Here are some things to change. I don't know about you, but I'm not good about keeping New Year's resolutions. Actually, I think we as a collective people are terrible at it. And so here's the thing. When it comes to our kids, one of the things we do is when we try to get them to do something in, uh, in this situation where they're with their grandparents, all we try to do is get them to do the basic things they need to do to live. So like our kids, trying to get them to eat. What do you do when you're with grandparents? I bet you won't eat that food. Actually, you know what? Better yet, don't eat it. Do not eat your food. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to eat all this food. Hey, listen, don't clean up, right? Don't clean up. You know what, Dad? Mom, I'm going to clean up even harder. And they just clean up and we're like, yeah, I bet you, oh, uh." and we're all shocked. This reverse psychology stuff. Hopefully it works with like New Year's resolutions. I was talking to my wife, going, like, should we do this? 
Like instead of going, hey, I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better pastor. I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to work out and do all this. And I'm going to, I'm going to not drink as much coffee. And uh, and I'm not going to do all those things. Should I just put do not in front of those things? And maybe I'll do them, right? Like, will reverse psychology work in this way? Do not lose weight. Uh, do not read your Bible more. Uh, do not be a good husband. Do not be a good parent. Like, if I do that, does that work like with our children? And my wife looked at me with so much love and concern and said, I probably wouldn't go that route because it would probably end up being like the first year ever you kept all your New Year's resolutions. And so like, I, I don't know what your things are. I don't know if you have New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you're, uh, if you've got like, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to make a million dollars or I'm going to learn to ice skate or, or uh, whatever it is that your New Year's resolution is. But if it was to be in church, I mean, you've done it today. And we're so grateful that you're here. And we have, I mean, I love the clean slate of a new year. And I love that we get to talk about what we're talking about. I think really, honestly, there's, a, there's an 80% chance that we're the only people in America today who are going through this verse on New Year's, okay? So open up your Bibles to John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Now, we all know John 3, 16. I don't know if you were watching the game yesterday, or uh, the, the, the Georgia game, but at the very end when they were doing the trophy presentation, you actually saw John 3, 16 on a giant highlighter green board in the background. And so everybody knows John 3.16. You could tell they were trying to change every camera angle so you couldn't see it anymore. But I'm telling you, you saw it predominantly. You know John 3.16. John uh, 14 and 15, these two verses are pivotal in this conversation. What we see and what we happen upon as we've been walking through our series through the book of John is we're in this conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, okay? We're in this conversation, Jesus and Nicodemus, and uh, they're, they're having these conversations. Uh, Nicodemus is this great teacher of Israel, and he's, he's, I mean, he's probably a brilliant mind. And he's having these conversations in the, the shadow of night with Jesus. And they're having these, uh, these talks about what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom. And, and Jesus is talking to him about being born again and trying to explain what it looks like to be born again. Or as Pastor Anthony's been talking about, out with the old, in with the new, to be a new creation. What does it look like for a person? to be born again. And so while they're talking this, this is a pivotal moment in this conversation where verses 13 and 14 really change the conversation to not, hey, what needs to be done? You need to be born again. But how is that achieved? How is one born again? How is one made whole? How is one made new? How is this possible? And Jesus, I love Jesus. And I'm so grateful I'm not Jesus because I would totally not use this language. But he does, and he does so beautifully. And he uses language that I believe would have shocked Nicodemus. And you'd have been like, wait, no, say that again. You're... Because here's the thing. Most people are thinking that maybe uh, Jesus is going to be this gentle and lowly teacher, but he's going to rise up an army. He's going to take over the Romans and take them all out, and he's going to be the king they've been wanting. And maybe then, when we have a new king, new life and, and rebirth can take place. Man, man, I just wonder what Nicodemus is thinking through and going, I mean, what are you talking about? How is all this going to fit together? And Jesus says, do you know how this is going to be accomplished? It's not going to be accomplished in the ways you thought. And he says this, and I want us to read this. In John 3, 14 through 15, he says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Let's pray.
Father, thank you so much for this day. Father, thank you for your goodness and your kindness. God, that, that, that draws us to repentance. And God, that you love us and you're near to us. And God, you just, you, you care for us. Right now in this, in this time, Father, I pray that John 3, 14 through 15 would come alive to us in a way maybe it has not before. God, as we are, we are sitting on this blank slate of a new year, God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us as we spend time in your word to let it be the, the catapult or, or the, the catalyst in our lives that spurs on a year of faithfulness to you. And God, let us be reminded of what you've done for us so that we can live from that platform 2023 out in a way that is faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So he, he says this, it's shocking to Nicodemus. The Son of Man, he says, which is his favorite title for himself, and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. There's three, of these, uh, there's three of these occasions in the book of John where he says the, the Son of Man must be lifted up, okay? And, and, and some would think, man, man is lifted up, is that uh, going to a throne? Not, necessar not necessarily. And Jesus doesn't make any qualms about it. He didn't just say, I'm going to be lifted up. He doesn't say, I'm going to be exalted. I'm not Jesus uses this Moses with a serpent in the wilderness specifically and Nicodemus would listen to this and his mind would be flooded with the thoughts of Numbers chapter 21. Book of Numbers chapter 21 gives the account of, of this time where, uh, of course, the children of Israel have been liberated from Egypt. They've been in bondage for so long. Now they're out in the wilderness, uh, but they're still the same old messy people. They're walking around trying to figure out how uh, to get into the promised land. Uh, they've rejected the Lord many times. They're not allowed to go in the promised land, so a generation has to die. They're walking, through the, uh, they're walking through the wilderness. They try to go through Edom to get to one place. They're not allowed to, so they, they're, they're frustrated. And man, every time I read the, uh, anything about the children of Israel, I see that I am the children of Israel more than ever before. They're frustrated, they're impatient. And it comes to a point where it becomes sinful. Numbers 21 says this in verse 4. Now from Mount Hor they set out and went by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent, listen to me, fiery, is maybe what your translation says, or poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many of the people of Israel died. So, so where we're at. God's people, in God's name, rescued by God's power, are walking around in a wilderness and they're becoming whiny babies, okay? And they're getting, they're getting impatient. Now they're speaking out against, with their words, and with their lack of faith against God and against Moses. And when we speak out against God, when we speak out, man, that is, that is sinful. And I want you to be on, and I want you to show, I want to see something right here. God is serious about sin. He doesn't mess around with it. He doesn't toy around with it. He's not okay where he's just gonna slap you on the shoulder and go, and just boys being boys. God hates sin. He hates it. It is deplorable. He hates it with every ounce of his being, so much so that he did what he did by sending his son Jesus to ransom us from sin 
in which he hates. Here's the thing. God hates sin, and the judgment of sin, and anything God sees fit as judgment against sin is just. And in this moment, God sends serpents. I don't like snakes. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. My wife loves, you know, nature and stuff. And uh, she loves nature and, 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 and outdoors. And, and so uh, my wife will t- say, Dominic, hey, listen, I found this adorable place. It would be great for Instagram and like, like taking pictures and stuff. And we would love it. And, and uh, we can go hiking and I can carry the baby in a, in a sling. And my wife is just so great. And she, she's like, let's go do this and let's be out in nature. I'm like, okay, you go try it. And then you report back. And then maybe this weekend we can go. And she's like, okay. She goes, she goes, it was great. We saw a deer. I was like, awesome, a deer. And it was jumped, she was like, it jumped right over us. It's like, oh, yeah. And then she's like, we saw two snakes. I was like, no, I'll never go. I like, I'll never leave my home again because I know that there's a park sometime. Like, I, I'll, I said, baby, I'll, you just don't tell me. I will never go there. There is not a chance that I will ever, I do not like snakes. I don't like them. It is the animal that was cursed by God. It's the only one we know of. Why would we want them anyways? And so, like, I don't like them in any way, shape, or form, okay? And so, uh, I mean, like, you have this idea and this imagery of God's judgment comes down on the people of Israel, and all of a sudden these poisonous snakes make their way into the camp, and they start biting people, and people are dying all over the place. And I go, God, well, like, really, is that the best thing? And I go, God's just in this. He, is, he, is, he hates sin. And what happens is this, is that the people go, my bad. Numbers 21, 7 through 9 says this, And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now listen, here's the response, and this is what's so crazy. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, or a poisonous snake, an image of one, and set it on a pole for everyone, uh, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made the bronze serpent, set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. And here's, here's the thing that's so crazy about this, is that uh, he would make this snake image, and he'd put it on this pole, and I, I believe that he's not like in the middle of the, the town here. He would have to move to a higher ground so that people could actually see it. So he takes it and he has this serpent and, and anybody who would look on it wasn't, and I, I think this is just the, the, the craziness of this, is that there's this, this bronze serpent, anybody who looks at it, I mean, these people are just looking. It's not like they've done anything yet. It's not like they've been good for a 30-day period. I mean, they're just looking. And they just... Look, they believe the words of God that say, if you look at this, you will be healed. And they look. Listen, I, I know we, we try to over-spiritualize things. But remember who this is for. It's not for those who have yet to be bitten. The people who are, who this serpent on this pole is for are people who are right near death. Death is imminent for them. They've already been bitten. The venom is already in their bloodstream. It's going to kill them. It's not, it's not preventative. Remember, listen to the story. It's not preventative. It's you look here and they're not going to bite you. No, you've already been bit. Death is on your doorstep. Death is right there. And I, I think about this and I, I go, in that moment, 
Uh, remember, I don't like, I don't like snakes. And so uh, at this moment, and I hate this, I just think about a whole entire village or, or the whole people and everything. There's going to be snakes everywhere. There's snakes in the fridge. There's snakes, uh, there's snakes in the coffee pot. They're in the toilets. They're everywhere, and you're just, you're just waiting. I mean, it'd be horrible. It's the worst. And so, I mean, uh, so you're sitting there, and I, I mean, when I walk during the summer to my, garage, to my uh, mailbox, I'm like this. I have a driveway, but I'm like this, right? My kids have weapons with them, and we just go get the mail, and we hurry back in the house. I hate it. If I, and, and I'm sitting here going, I, I, I'm sitting, my, my greatest fear Please don't mess with me. Please don't mess with me. I know you, some of you guys are going, well, I'm going to bring a snake. No, please don't mess with me. And so I, I'm sitting there, and I think, I just got bit by a snake, okay? I've just been bit. I know everybody else getting bitten. Everybody's dead. There are dead people all over the place. Probably have mass graves here because people are dying from these snake bites. I've been bitten. Here's what I know. I will die from this. And it may be difficult. It may be very painful. I'm going to die anyway. So why in the world do I make the effort to go look, at the, go look at the snake? Why don't I just spend time with my family? I got, you know, depending on how long it takes me. Do, do I have hours? Do I have days? Can I go work an extra day? Maybe make a little bit more money so my family's a little bit more comfortable? Or, or I mean, I never got to ride a bull or a camel. Can I go do that? I mean, I've only got a few. I know death's upon me. Why not just do that? Or... I get bitten. What am I going to do? I just don't want to get bitten anymore. So I'm just going to stay right where I'm at. I'm going to watch and make sure that nothing else uncomfortable happens to me. Uh, I, I just want to be comfortable as I uh, amass just what I have around me to enjoy my last few hours. But God says, I may, I've made a way. If you knew that you got bitten, what would you do? You would run as fast as you can with whatever strength was left. You would run out into the street. You would climb onto your roof if you had to, and you would fix your eyes on that snake, and you would not move your gaze. If you knew somebody around you, your wife or your children, had been bitten, with every ounce of strength you had left, you would, no matter how big, how, how heavy the weight, no how big the inconvenience, you would do everything you could do to get your child, your spouse, your coworker, or your friend, get their eyes fixed on that snake. Because you know, there's nothing else anybody can do. It is only on looking there that healing can come. That's the imagery that Jesus uses. That's the imagery that Jesus uses to tell what does it look like to be born again. I think of this, I think of the imagery here of this, this snake. You know what they didn't make? They didn't make a falcon. In my mind, I think honey badger eats snakes, but I don't think they're there. But anyways, I, I just think, like, they didn't make a, uh, some sort of prey thing that's going to be able to attack or some animal that's famous for killing snakes. They didn't make an image of that. They made an image of the very curse they were being killed by. They lifted it up, and in trusting the, in the word of God, they fixed their eyes, and healing came. And Jesus says, if you want to be born again, just like that serpent, I am going to lay down my life, and I'm going to be put onto a pole or a cross on a hill far away. And Jesus, in 2 Corinthians, it tells us, for our sake, he made him to be sin. 
who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus, for all of us who have been bitten by sin and we have it coursing in our veins that will end us, There is no other way. Sin ends us, eternally separated from Jesus. It is in our very veins. We cannot avoid it. People have been trying for years, and they can't. It is, death is imminent. Jesus puts himself on a cross and becomes the very curse in which he would save us from. He becomes sin, bearing on himself sin and all the wrath of God being poured out on Jesus so that simply for you and I in 2023 to look to Jesus and be healed, to look to Jesus and the venom lose its power. And for life, we simply must look and live. That's what we find in this conversation of how can one be born again? And Jesus says, look. Look to me. Believe the words and look. Believe the words and look. I will be what will heal you from what you cannot heal yourself of. I will be the thing that will heal you. I will be the one who can heal you from the things that no doctor can heal you from, that no amount of celebrity or fame or money or comfort can ever heal you from. Nicodemus, you want to know what it looks like to be born again? Look to me. Look to me. I could not imagine Nicodemus' response. Believer, do you remember that time where you looked at Jesus? Do you remember the time where where everything was happening and going and, and you were trying to live life or whatever your story is, and there was that moment where your eyes got fixed on Jesus? Where all the wondering and all the the trying and all the effort and all the, the working towards stopped. And you saw Jesus. We're in 2023. This year, believer, don't stop looking at Jesus. You're gonna have some really great days. I love New Year's. Man, it's man. We're on day one. We're not even, it's not like day two. We're on day one. We're on day one. What a beautiful idea. The beautiful sweetness of of a clean slate that we have today. We have no idea what this year is going to hold. Some of you are going to see new life born into your family. Some of you are going to lose somebody that you love. Some of you are going to get sick. Some of you are going to get well. Some of you are going to laugh like never before, and some of you are going to experience sorrow that, could, that you would not wish on your worst enemy. You are going to have plenty, and some of you are going to have loss. We're going to celebrate, and we're going to weep. Jesus doesn't change in the midst of all of that. Fix your eyes on Jesus this year. I don't know what your New Year's resolution is. We're going to talk here soon about uh, reading the Bible in a year together and and, and how beautiful that is of, of intentionally fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're going to go through a lot this year. Some of y'all, it's already been a lot. I mean, we're like not even 12 hours in and it's been difficult or it's been hard. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I think about this. Is if I'm that young man who gets bitten, I'm there 
people of Israel, and, I, and, I, and I've been bitten by this snake. I know that we read the Bible, and, and it's just how we read stuff. And we read it, and we see that that story changes, they go on. Do you know how difficult it would be? Do you know how difficult it would be for you to get my eyes off that snake? Do you know how difficult you, you would have to bring the whole group to move me from my spot? That moment where healing came, and that very thing that I simply looked on in faith, and I was healed? I know what was happening when I didn't look there. I saw what I was like. I was a whiny, complainy brat. I was mad about everything. I, in my rebellion, brought judgment on me and everybody else. I know me. I can't. I know what I'm like. I can't stop looking at it. I mean, what if in 2023 we go, I know me without Jesus. I know what I'm like. I know what I'm capable of. I am horrified of Dominic apart from Christ. And so I will not, no matter what, I will not take my gaze off Jesus. Man, what would 2023 look like if we refused to turn our eyes? Not just hoped we'd keep a, a reading plan going, but we refused against everything else the world had to come at us with. Our schedules, our families, our jobs and money, that all those things are fine and good, but we will not shift our eyes. We will not look away. Because I know what I'm like when I do. Man, what a good way to start off the year. And it's day one. You go, man, I've already missed it. No, we still got like 12 more hours and we can still make this thing happen. Listen, what a great, what a great thing for us today to love Jesus more than anything else. And be reminded of what he's done for us. And commit today, I'm not going to move my eyes. Man, what a great day that would be on a Sunday. And then to do it again on a Monday. And then on a Tuesday. And before too long, we're sitting here on the precipice of 2024 going, Tennessee won the national championship. Or they're going to win the national championship. They're going to it. They won it. It was great. They beat everybody by 100 points. And I was faithful to Jesus this year. And it's going to be great. And it would be awesome. But it starts on days like today. It starts being reminded of where we were and where Jesus brought us from. It starts just like the children of Israel. They would have left that moment going, oh. Now, would they ultimately fail again? Yeah. Will you ultimately, at some point this year, stumble and bumble? Absolutely. Some real bad. That's okay. We get up and we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what we do. And we do that. And we make much of Jesus. And this year, maybe like, unlike ever before, you've got a son, you've got a daughter, you've got an aunt, an uncle, you've got a friend, a coworker, a boss, a coach, a, a friend, a schoolmate that does not know Jesus. Maybe this is the year that you stop hoping that maybe they'll come to church with you because they've not, they've not answered one invite. Maybe this is the year that you go, I'm not... They may not come to church with me. They, they may never darken the doors of Connect Church. They may never come to a barbecue and baptism. But I know they need Jesus. I'm going to do everything I can to get them in the position to see Jesus. I don't care if I have to 
talk to them every single day and make conversations awkward. I don't care if it means I have to pray for them every single day. It doesn't matter if I have to, if I have to change my schedule. I know what happens if they don't know Jesus. That venom wins every time apart from someone casting their eyes to Jesus. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. I love New Year's. I do. I, I, I promise I do. But it's just a changing of a clock and a calendar. You're still as messed up as you were yesterday. You go, I'm not going to eat any more Oreos. I'm not going to eat any more pizza. I'm done with soft drinks. No, you're not. You're still as addicted to all that stuff as you were when, you walked, when, when, it, when the clock went to midnight. You're going to wake up with chills. Probably 1 a.m. wanting just, just, I need sugar. I need something. I need something. I'll, what is, is there anything? Can I just, there's candy canes. They're on the Christmas tree. I'm just going to eat it. Whatever. You're still going to have that. You still have some of the very same baggage that you had 12 hours ago. You have some of the same temptations, some of the, st- some of the same uh, fears, some of the same warring against your soul that you had 12 hours ago. You will not resolute and resolution your way into a great faithful year. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe this morning there needs to be some laying down of some stuff. Maybe you need to reposition yourself by laying down some stuff so you see Jesus more clearly. But maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. What a great time to be lost because it's New Year's. It's New Year's and Jesus is still alive and well. And I love this story. I love the story of Charles Spurgeon's conversion. Man, I love it. And maybe you're here today and listen to me, listen to me. If you don't know Jesus, if, if you were to die today and be apart from Jesus, you're not his. You've never given your life and looked out in faith. You've never done what the children of Israel did and believing in his word, looked out on faith and said, I trust my life with you. God, heal me, forgive me. And you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Listen to this, please. Don't, don't wait any longer and try to put it off. Listen today. I love this story that Charles Spurgeon was going, and, and he was, uh, it was a snowy day. It was a very snowy day, and he was going around and found himself in front of this little chapel of a, of a primitive Methodist church. And he goes inside, and he sits down. There's only a handful of people there, and the pastor gets snowed in. And so when, when they finally find this out, in January 6th, 1850, a little scrawny man gets up. He was a tailor or a shoemaker, something of that sort. And he preaches a message from Isaiah 50, uh, 45, 22 that says this, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am the God and there is no other. And he preaches this message and Charles Spurgeon says he doesn't have much to say because Probably didn't know he was going to be doing this, and so he, he just sticks that text. But all of a sudden, he begins the invitation. He looks out in the crowd, and he sees a young man who obviously is uncomfortable, that the Lord's obviously working on. And he calls him out from stage. We don't do that anymore. Pastor Anthony won't let us. Man, that would be super uncomfortable. He calls him out and goes, you need to give your life to Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, he, he gives a, a, he recounts this, this, in, this encounter with this pastor in the middle, sitting in his pews, he hears this and he says this. Then lifting up his hands, he shouted, as only a primitive Methodist could do, young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look, look, look. You have nothing to do but look and live. 
I saw at once the way of salvation. I know not what else he said. I did not take much notice of it. I was so possessed with that one thought. Like as when the brazen serpent was lifted up and the people of Israel only looked and were healed, so it was with me. I had been waiting to do 50 things, but when I heard that word, look, what a charming word it seemed to me. Oh, I looked until I could have almost looked my eyes away, and then the cloud was gone. The darkness had rolled away. That moment I saw the sun. I could have risen in that instant and sung with the most enthusiastic of them, of the precious blood of Christ. The simple faith which looks alone to him, and now he can sing, ere since my, uh, by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus. Look to Jesus and live. That's what you must do. It is to look to Jesus and live. There's nothing else you can look to. There's nothing else you can do. It is simply by Jesus dying on the cross, his blood being spilt, and being buried in a borrowed tomb, and raising again three days later, and looking to that Jesus that one can be saved. What an awesome way to start a year. If you do not know Jesus, let today be the day you look to Jesus. This is what I want us to do. Pastor Zach and the team, they're going to make their way back up here. Love New Year's. It's a clean slate. There's two groups of people in here today. One, you're a follower of Jesus. One, you're not. There's no like middle ground. You're, you're a follower or not. If you've never given your life to Jesus, and we're, we're straight, we're like, we're, we're serious, Okay? Give your life to Jesus Christ alone today. You don't have to do the 50 things that Charles Spurgeon thought he had to do. No, no. Simply, you look and you live. You place your faith and your trust. Saying, Jesus, I'm yours. You don't have to do everything. The children of Israel didn't have to destroy all the snakes. They didn't have to figure out everything. They looked and they lived. So if you're here today and you never give me life to Jesus, do so today. Do so today. Don't wait. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, I want every believer in the room praying. But if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you right now where you're at to call on the name of the Lord to save you. There's no fancy way you got to tilt your head or how much money you got to give. There's no magic words to say, but it's simply the repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in Jesus. You can pray something like this from your heart to God. Doing a prayer doesn't save you, but it's this desire from your heart, this surrender from your heart to God that does. You pray something like this, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done what you've told me not to. But God, I know that you sent your son Jesus to be lifted up just like that snake and to die in my place and to take my sin and to be buried, 
but to raise again three days later. Forgive me of my sin. Help me turn from my old life and follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I give you everything. Jesus, I am yours. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Nobody looking around. Our team's looking away. Pastor Anthony does this, and he has way better eyes than I do. So if you're here today and you've given your life to Christ, maybe just pray that you gave your life to Christ. Would you just look up, make eye contact with me, maybe wave your hand a little bit so I can see you. We just want to celebrate. Is that anybody this morning that says, man, that's me. And I gave my life to Jesus this morning. I looked to Jesus for the first time today. Is that anybody in the room? Say, man, that's me. I gave my life to Jesus. I looked to Jesus for the very first time today. If that's you, make sure you get my attention. Let me see your eyes. Is that you, that you look for the very first time on Jesus and he saved you and forgave you today? Is that anybody this morning? Believers, hopefully this is a sign that, man, everybody in this room has given their life to Jesus and they've already looked. But maybe, believer, for this, for this time, and maybe today, maybe today, the same baggage you brought over from 2022 and you have yet to lay down before the Lord. Maybe you need to make your chair an altar. Maybe you need to come get on your face before the Lord. Maybe you're a believer this year who has been too, too shy or timid or scared to share the gospel with that person you know without Jesus will die and forever be separated in a place called hell. Maybe this morning you would come and lay their name down at the altar and you would ask the Lord to use you this year. Use you this week to make much of Jesus and to share, the, share with them Look and live. Maybe, maybe you're one here today. It's been a long time. Life has been heavy. Burdens have been heavy. It's been difficult. Sickness and pain and hurt. Life has been hard. Maybe simply you need to stand and sing and make much of Jesus here in just a few minutes. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray. Man, if you need to come to this altar, you come to this altar. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for you. God, we're so grateful for the way that you love us. God, we're grateful for the way that you care for us. How you meet us in our time of need. God, we're so thankful for Jesus who was lifted up just like that serpent, but far better who would take the full weight of our sin and the very wrath of God that was meant for us, poured out on Him so that we could find life. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that for those in this room who need you, God, they'd call on your name for salvation. God, for the believers in this room, God, for the believers in this, year, in this room, God, let this be the year that we do not compromise, that we don't let life comfort pain, hurt, sorrow, joy, or celebration. Take our eyes off of you. But God, like no other time in our lives, let this be the time where our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And let us be fierce in making sure nothing gets in the way of that. 
And God, as our eyes are fixed on you, allow the overflow of that to be marriages that are restored, parents and, and, and children who are restored, jobs that are seen as mission fields and not just monotony. God, that we would see the grocery store and, and, and Cracker Barrel as mission fields. God, we'd see students knowing and being biblically literate and knowing your word and finding truth and identity there, not in the culture. God, let 2023 be your marked by your people fixing their eyes. God, we can't wait to see what you're going to do. God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.